The following program is for informational purposes only. Do not make any investment without speaking to a licensed financial advisor. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Lou Scatigna here, certified financial planner and your money doctor, welcoming you to our special New Year's podcast on the financial physician, where we talk money, markets, and politics, and Today's show is very special because it's the most anticipated show I have, and I think many of our listeners have, is my forecast for the coming year. Now, last week I discussed uh, the review of 2023, what I got right, what I got wrong. I got some things right, got some things very wrong, and uh, I'm probably going to do the same this year. Now, when I first started doing this program, and I was doing this forecast, and I've been doing this for 25 years. Uh, I was right a lot. I would, you know, I follow a lot of smart people, and uh, we'll talk about these people and how they are part of what I think about. Uh, but I follow a lot of smart people, and I, 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 I marinate it all together. I use my own thinking, and then I decide what my forecast is going to be for 2024. Now, of course, nobody can forecast everything correctly. It's impossible. If I could, I'd be on an island somewhere. Uh, just enjoying my life with all my money. So take what I say with a grain of salt. This is not investment advice. Do not do anything in the markets without consulting your own financial advisor or just using this as part of your deliberation on what you should do with your life. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've been dreading doing this show. I really have. Because in my 25 years, I've never been more concerned about everything about the financial markets, about uh, the political state here in the United States, about the rule of law, about international events, about debt. It's all bad. It really is bad. And, you know, this is not going to be a fun show for you to listen to or me to do. And if you're listening to this on Sunday morning, early when, it, when it's uploaded at 7 a.m., make yourself a mimosa or a Bloody Mary. And if you listen to this show on the podcast later in the day, give yourself something stronger because you're going to need it to get through this show. And I, I take no pleasure, trust me on this, uh, in giving you this information. And I pray to God every day that I'm wrong. I hope that I'm doing the end of the year show, December 31st or whatever it is, 2024, and telling you how many things I got wrong. That's my prayer. But I'm going to tell it to you like, I, like it is, like I feel. I don't sugarcoat it. I don't give you what you want to hear. I tell you what I think. Now, let's start off by saying I'm a pessimist. I tend to think the worst. 
Uh, I wish I was an optimist, but I'm not. I worry about everything. Uh, uh, I lose sleep over things. Uh, and I'm very concerned about everything. So take that for what it's worth. All right, let's start out with the good. How about that? I found a few good things that we could talk about as we enter 2024. And the first thing is that the public now is fed up with the woke culture. We've, we're done with it. You know, we were very, very patient with it. Uh, and it took longer than it should have. Uh, because many people didn't believe that this was even real. They just thought it was like some insane thing. But now it's been shoved in our face too much and the public is fed up. And we've seen it in uh, what's happened to media giants like Disney. Uh, they lost tons of money on all their woke movies. And uh, how about Bud Light? See what happened to them? Boycotts do work. And Target, too. So uh, people have had it. They're done with it. Uh, they know what this really is, and it's uh, trying to normalize mental illness. Uh, and that's what happens. Also, targeting children. People are sick of their children being targeted with sexualization through pornography in the library. And then indoctrinating him against their biological reality that they're a boy or a girl. People are fed up with it. And this is the good thing. And uh, their biggest mistake was targeting children. I, I think that was it. And the only thing keeping the woke movement alive right now is um, their alliance with big corporations and, of course, the mainstream media. Without them, uh, they'd be dead already. Another good thing uh, that where we are right now is people are fed up with the COVID cult, the COVID agenda. It's done. And I don't think uh, many people understand how important the battle over the lockdowns. And then there was talk of vaccine passports. Remember that? How bad that actually was. The whole Western world was on the verge of authoritarianism, medical tyranny. I mean, if they would have established uh, their goal or achieved their goal of vaccine passports, our freedoms would be over. They'd be done. The passports would make... Uh, your participation in the economy impossible for anyone who did not submit to the COVID agenda or the vaccine agenda, whatever you want to call it. And that would make uh, certain people a second-class citizen, mostly conservative people, by the way. And then they'd be targeted for elimination. Remember people were saying that you shouldn't operate on somebody who has a heart problem if they didn't get vaccinated, that they should die? That's what people were saying. That's how insane it was. And uh, then they started pushing this vaccine on us that obviously was uh, fraudulently brought to market. And now many people are living with the results of that. And that's another thing we're going to see in 2024. And I'll talk about that later is uh, everything that's going to come out on COVID and the vaccines. It's all coming out in this year. But luckily enough, people stood up to it. Uh, and their plan of basically taking over the world through medical tyranny uh, was not achieved. And I'll tell you, I'm, I thank God every day I didn't succumb and go get a vaccination. But I had the choice. Many people didn't have the choice. People who worked in hospitals, people who worked in the military, people who worked for the city of New York, 
and elsewhere were forced to take this uh, experimental drug. This mRNA gene-altering spike protein heart attack stroke-causing poison. Or they would lose their job. And I predict uh, 2024 is going to be the year that we learn everything about this monstrous plan and what it was all about, how it came about. As a matter of fact, Dr. Fauci, the number one person responsible for all of this, is going to be on Capitol Hill in a week or two um, with four lawyers under oath, again, answering a lot of questions. And, And he'll just say, I forgot, I don't know, I don't recall. Uh, uh, and or he'll argue with Ron, uh, Rand Paul about what he said in the past, even though it's on tape. So that's a good thing. Uh, I don't think people are ever going to succumb again to this kind of uh, pandemic hysteria. Um, people are done with it. And it's amazing how quickly the, the media, their narrative turned off. It was like somebody hit a switch. This happened in 2023. All of a sudden, the whole COVID thing just disappeared. And we went back to normal. And they were all part of it. And again, we'll talk about that about that later. All right, so that's the good stuff. Uh, and there's not really much good there either. But the bad stuff is really bad. I expect 2024 to be an incredible turning point in the history of our country. There is so much risks this year from the election We'll talk about it in depth later. Uh, the debt in the country is just skyrocketing. The division in our country is the worst it's been since the Civil War. And we very, very well may be looking at violent confrontations in our country. I expect it this year in 2024. I expect it to be the norm by the end of the year. We have, like, an election that who knows even if it's going to happen. Who knows if it's going to be rigged again. But whoever wins, the other side is going to be irate. And that's the thing. When you have a country that is angry, usually when you have an, a country that's angry and hungry, you got civil unrest. Uh, most people now are pretty angry in this country. We don't have the hunger yet, at least not massive hunger in this country, which very well may start this year as well. Uh, We have horrible leadership. Uh, Could it get worse than Biden and Harris? Can it actually, can can you think of any, besides Hitler or something like that, but could you think of any more incompetent president and vice president in the history of America or who you could purposely put in to do that? That would be worse. And everybody knows it. So everything that is going to happen in 2024, whatever it is, the financial markets, uh, what happens uh, domestically, politically, uh, is going to be driven by, obviously, events, world events and domestic events. And this year, 2024, is going to be the year of, I don't know if cataclysmic is the right word, but monumental news events that are going to happen in 2024 that's going to affect all of us. Geopolitical tensions are soaring, you know, uh, certainly in the Middle East. We'll talk about that in detail in a little bit. 
uh, and uh, obviously domestic political issues are soaring as well here. Now, there's so many unknown events. We, we don't know the future. There's so many potential things that can happen, potential shock events, potential black swans. If you don't know what a black swan is, a black swan event is something that nobody really sees coming. It comes out of the blue and nobody predicted it. And it has big ramifications, whether it be for the financial markets or um, for the safety and health of the citizenry in the, in the city or a town or the country as a whole or the world. So these, these concerns um, are great. And nobody knows how they're really going to turn out. They're just unknown events. But we know that they're out there. They, I mean, we have to deal with the election this year. I mean, we know that's going to happen. We know Israel is at war with uh, Hamas right now and maybe soon Iran and Hezbollah. Uh, we don't know if it's going to go that route, but we'll talk about the potential of that as we go on here. So it's a very, very, very tenuous time in mankind's history. Now, I've said on the show before that we're, we're, we're dealing with uh, a battle of good versus evil. I truly believe that. I really believe that there is a spiritual battle going on. And if you don't think so, just think of all the craziness that we're dealing with. Drag queens at schools and uh, abortion up to the ninth month. And uh, uh, we can go on and on and on. Obviously, this, this stuff is evil. Uh, child trafficking, the pedophile situation in the country, in the world. Uh, you could do a whole show on the evil that's in the world. Now, I think good is going to win out at the end. I think God is always more powerful than Satan. But right now, you have what? After-school Satan clubs. Are you kidding me? Would you send your child to a school that has an after-school Satan club? And I told you a couple of weeks ago, holiday, um, holiday decorations of um, Baphomet, a satanic goat. Uh, and it has, it has to be uh, respected. The guy who cut off the head of it and destroyed it, a Christian, uh, is being charged. Is that, is that not evil? So everything has to be looked at in the context of good and evil. Uh, you would think that um, what happened in uh, Israel when Hamas went in there and killed and raped 1,200 people. And a good portion of the world is not condemning it. They're condemning Israel for retaliating against, against them. I mean, good versus evil is everywhere. And uh, I don't want to get too spiritual on you, but, it, but it's true. And that battle is going to come to a, a fever pitch this year, 2024. So world events is going to be a big driver of everything. It's going to drive the financial markets. It's going to affect... Uh, uh, the U.S. election. And, you know, look, it, they're doing everything they can to prevent the election from happening or certainly prevent Donald Trump from being on the ballot because they know he's going to win. And that means we have, uh, we kind of have a civil war right now going on in the country, don't we? The problem is only the left is fighting it. But the right, uh, I think, is at the end now of being uh, tolerant of having their, uh, the law pushed against them. They see the two-tiered justice system. They saw the, the rigged election in 2020. And I think that they've had, they've had enough. 
and how this election plays out. It's going to be, uh, really decide what's going to happen going forward. If they steal this election again or they put Trump in jail before the election uh, or, or, or whatever, uh, his followers are not going to take it this time. Now, a week ago, uh, Catherine Herridge, uh, she used to be the Fox National Security uh, correspondent. Now she's with, uh, I believe, CBS. Uh, she was on Meet the Press. And she said something that was pretty shocking to the internet. She was talking about a black swan event, what I just told you, a black something coming out of the blue. And she iterated that she believes that it's going to be a cyber attack of some kind. So she's asked by the, the host uh, what she thinks uh, is going to happen in 2024. Well, mine's a little dark. I just feel a lot of concern that 2024 may be the year of a black swan event. This is a national security event with high impact that's very hard to predict. Um, there are a number of cons uh, concerns that I have that factor into that. And not only this uh, sort of enduring heightened threat level that we're facing, uh, the wars in Israel, also Ukraine. And we're so divided in this country in ways that we haven't seen before. And I think that just creates fertile ground for our adversaries like North Korea, China, and Iran. And that's what uh, concerns me most. Hmm, a black swan event. Uh, now, Catherine Harridge has a lot of great sources. I mean, she gets scoops that nobody else does. So she has higher-up sources in the CIA, the National Security Agency, the Defense Department. Uh, she knows something. And, uh, you know, the, the, the establishment, the deep state, whatever you want to call them, the powers that be, uh, they always forecast what they're going to do. They always want to, they have some kind of perverse joy out of trying to show you ahead of time what's going to happen. Did you see the movie uh, The World Left Behind, produced by the Obamas on Netflix? If you haven't, go watch it. It has Julia Roberts in it. I saw it. It was, it was an interesting movie. And what happens is there's a cyber attack on the country. Can you say uh, predictive programming? Now, a lot of conspiracy theorists on the internet are saying that this, this movie is just trying to prepare us all for uh, a cyber attack that's going to be generated by the globalist establishment, whoever you want to call them. And they're just trying to get the public ready for that eventuality or that narrative. And now you have Catherine Harridge coming out and saying that uh, she's very worried about a black swan event and she mentions uh, cyber security or cyber attack. And we hear more and more of that now, aren't we? Cyber attacks, right? Uh, could they take down the electrical grid in the United States with a cyber attack? Is that the plan? Or just to shut down the banking system so you can't get any money? Could you imagine how society would react to that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine going a month without electricity, not knowing when it's going to come back on? If can you imagine how quickly society would break down? I mean, uh, again, this is this is dark stuff, but it's all possible. They're talking about it, and twenty twenty four is going to be a year of black swans, and I think multiple ones. Again, as I said at the beginning of the program, I hope I'm wrong about all this stuff. And I almost didn't want to do this show today because I don't want to be the one to, you know, to make everybody sad and scared and anxious. 
That's not what this program is about. But it is a reality program. We, we tell it like it is. It's a new show. And uh, we're going to talk about financial markets. We're going to talk about ways of protecting yourself. But at least people who listen to this, you know, uh, show. And if you're, if you're tuning in, obviously you're, you're like-minded in some manner. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me. Uh, but you all know. We all feel it. Don't you feel it in your soul that something's terribly wrong? In so many dis- different aspects of our lives. I know I do. I have that deep, deep feeling of foreboding going into 2024. And it's not going to be a good year. There's nothing good that can come out of 2024 from where we sit right now. Well, maybe something good could come of it. Maybe uh, Donald Trump is reelected president, uh, takes control of the border. We don't have civil unrest in response to it. Uh, peace breaks out in Ukraine, and uh, the Middle East war doesn't expand. Maybe any of those things could happen. China doesn't invade Taiwan. Inflation comes down, and we all sing Kumbaya. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe one of those things may happen, uh, but they're all not going to happen. And there's going to be a lot of things that happen that aren't going to be really nice. From the financial markets perspective, uh, what's going to affect financial markets? Uh, It's two things. Number one is the Federal Reserve and what it's going to do next year. Uh, Many people were expecting that the Federal Reserve is going to lower interest rates in 2024. Uh, That's not necessarily a good thing, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Because if they're lowering interest rates, that means the economy's slow and we're going into a recession. There's a bank failure. There's some kind of uh, something breaks. Uh, but I do think that the Fed will re- lower interest rates because I think those things are going to happen. Uh, but it's going to be the Federal Reserve policy, obviously, is going to affect everything. Uh, I expect that if the Fed does lower rates, which they have forecasted that they will, I'm not so sure that they will, but some are expecting in March the lower interest rates. It'll be gradual unless there is an emergency. Uh, then it won't be gradual. It'll be one point, two point. Uh, hopefully we don't have that emergency. That would be crashing markets and bank failures and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I believe that the Fed will start lowering interest rates because I believe the economy is going to drastically sh- uh, slow. And I think we're going to have a major recession. Now, some people are out there saying that 2024 is going to be the worst crash in history. Harry Dent, uh, economist PhD from Yale, um, he's saying that 2024 is going to be the worst crash in the history of the markets. Hopefully that doesn't come true. I'm not expecting that. That doesn't mean we can't have a bear market, which I do expect. But a lot of it's going to have to do with two things. It's going to be what the Federal Reserve policy is. Obviously, lower interest rates tend to be favorable for the stock market. Not all the time. As a matter of fact, after the Fed has a a, a rate increase cycle, uh, historically, once they lower it for the first time, the markets go down. So I'm not so sure that uh, lowering interest rates uh, will be positive for the market this year. But I see the stock market... Uh, going up in the beginning of 2024, the first quarter, 
I expect the second quarter where economic reality starts to kick in. And barring any kind of bank problem, uh, which I, I think is very, very possible. You know, on March, uh, I think it's March 12th, uh, the Fed's bank lending package expires. And this was the, the facility, they call it, where the banks were able to take uh, their bonds that were down 30 to 50 percent, give it to the Fed and get full value for them so they could make good on deposit outflows. Well, that's supposed to end in March. Banks are still using it every day. It's at a record high right now. Now, I guess the Fed could extend it, probably will. But if they end it, we could see another big problem with the regional banks and maybe even a, a major bank. The Fed would have to lower interest rates in the face of that. Now, uh, I think that inflation uh, is going to briefly turn into deflation. What do you mean, Lou? I mean, I thought inflation is a big problem. It is a big problem, and it's a big long-term problem. And long-term, inflation is going to be the story. But in 2024, I think we're going to have a period of deflation because the economy is going to be contracting so quickly that you're going to see people stop spending money. You're going to see demand uh, drop, and you're going to see supply starting to grow, and you're going to start seeing uh, deflation. You'll see deflation in stocks, you'll see deflation in real estate, and you'll see deflation in fuel. And also, well, the fuel issue, the energy issue is going to have a lot to do with the Middle East and what happens there, which I'll touch on, you know, on the other side of the break. We're going to talk about the potential for another Arab oil embargo against the United States in the West, which I think is a real, real probability if certain things happen. Now, getting back to the stock market, I think there's going to be a very scary event in the stock market. I don't think it'll happen until uh, the second quarter of this year uh, or later. Uh, it'll probably, it'll definitely be due to some kind of event. Again, we use the word black swan. Maybe we don't know what it is. A bank failure, uh, a geopolitical explosion of some kind. I don't know. But the the market's going to go down hard. It's way overvalued. Uh, we've had crazy speculation the last few months. I mean, the market went up like 17 to 20% in like a month and a half. That's unsustainable. You need to have some kind of a correction on that. But I think we at one point at the low in the market, we're going to see ourselves down 25 to 30% or greater. Some point in 2024. I can't pinpoint the day or the, the month or the quarter, really, but it's going to happen sometime this year. And I'm not the only one who's thinking that. I just quoted a PhD from Yale economist, Harry Dent, who's going to say it's the worst crash in the history of the market. So hopefully that's not the case. But later in the year is really where the main risk is because it depends on what's going on politically in this country. This is going to be the election from hell. Right? doesn't matter who wins or loses. It's going to be hell. You know, we see unbelievable levels of election interference going on by the left. You know, all these Soros-appointed uh, or backed uh, state attorney generals, governors, judges. They don't care about the rule of law. They're just trying to get Trump in jail, off the ballot, whatever. And they're not going to stop. 
they're going to cheat. I read a, an article recently that, you know, every illegal alien that comes in is, is signed up to vote. And they have all these ballots are going to be sent to the Democrats to mail in millions, millions. And look, last time it was obvious that the election was stolen. I mean, six swing states stopped counting at the same time with Trump way ahead. Uh, how, how does that happen? Who made that phone call? Who, I, nobody's ever looked into that. It's never happened before in the history of the United States. Not even with one state. You count the ballots until you got a winner. Uh, there was a lot of shady stuff going on, obviously, in that election. And Americans know it. Trump supporters know it. If this happens again this time, with Trump so far ahead of everybody and Biden so weak and horrible, you'll know that it was stolen. And I think January 6th will look like nothing compared to what's going to happen. And if, you know, Trump is elected, you know, the left is going to go insane. There's going to be riots in cities. It's, it's going to be, it's going to make the George Floyd riots look like nothing. And it's all prepared already. So we're going to have hell at the end of next year. Literal hell in the last quarter of uh, 2024. And I think the markets are going to suffer greatly from that. So I see 2024 as one of the, uh, a very, very bad bear market in the United States due to the slowing economy, due to the political instability, uh, and due to geopolitical events that, that can get out of control very quickly. And uh, the concern that, you know, uh, Catherine Harridge had about the black swan cyber attack on the United States. Uh, all pretty dark stuff, I know. Uh, but it, it is what it is. And uh, the only thing we could do is try to prepare for it as best we can. We're having food, water, being protected through your Second Amendment, if that's what you want to do. Um, because it's going to get really dicey. All right, let's take a quick break. My name is Lou Skatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Scatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Investment advisory services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates.
Friday's 2024, and uh, we're coming up on income tax season. And I received a number of emails from you people wondering if I'm taking on new tax clients in 2024, and I certainly am. Uh, one thing about my business, it's 36 years old, and a lot of my clients who have been with me for 25 years, 30 years, unfortunately, are dying off. Uh, so we need to replace them. So, yes, we're always taking on new clients. No problem getting you in. Uh, just call my office uh, at 732-905-8100. Once you have all your documents, you know, the end of January, the beginning of February, you don't have to do it now. Uh, but, yes, we are taking our new clients and uh, love to uh, uh, be your accountant. Uh, also, as always, we're always, uh, I always offer a complimentary one-hour financial review with you. If you have a financial issue I can help you with or you want to do uh, some protective planning um, or you're not sure what your risk is uh, and you want me to ascertain it to you, uh, given all the things that we're talking about, uh, feel free to call my office at 732-905-8100, All right, so we're talking about uh, my forecast and what I think is going to happen in 2024. And if you think... uh, uh, I know this stuff is dark, but please share it. People you think can benefit by it. Family, friends, put it on your social media. That's the way the podcast grows. You want to get in touch with me, it's really easy. Just send me an email at lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. I'll be sure to get back to you on whatever you ask me. And I I love your emails. I really do. You people are so nice. Uh, You tell me how important this show is to you. uh, uh, and, And it makes me feel good. I really do like your emails. I get the negative one once in a while, but the vast majority of the emails I get from from you people are great, and I appreciate it. And if I can help you with anything, just send me an email. Uh, you have a tax question or, or anything that I can help you with, just send me an email, and I'll try to point you in the right direction or help you directly. All right, by now you're probably on your second cocktail. Um, by the end of our, our show, you're going to be pretty looped uh, because that's what it takes to get through this. Uh, We're talking about 2024 and how eventful, to use a a pretty uh, tranquil adjective for what's going to happen, eventful. You know, there's an old, they say it's an old Chinese curse, I think. May you live in interesting times. Well, 2024, for sure, is going to be interesting times. And interesting doesn't necessarily mean good. So let's go back to financial markets. Uh, we talked about the stock market. I think it's going to have an awful year. On the other hand, I think the bond market is going to have a, a pretty good year. I mean, if the Fed lowers interest rate, bond prices go up. You know, that's the relationship in the bond market. Uh, in 2022, the Fed raised interest rates all year long. Bond price prices dropped like a rock. The worst bond market uh, we probably ever saw, or at least in decades, in 2022. But now we're going to have the opposite happen. Uh, Fed's going to start lowering interest rates in 2024. At least that's what Wall Street thinks. And if that's true, bond prices go up. So uh, you have the potential for significant capital gains in the bond market. And uh, we uh, at AFM, we're a conservative firm. We have a lot of retired people. Uh, We have a lot of clients in the bond market. And it's been a very difficult place to be because yields have been so low for so long. It's been like pulling teeth to make real returns. And you know that if you have a bank account over the last 10 years, you know what it's like. There's there's no, no, no return, or there hasn't been. Now we're seeing money market accounts yielding, U.S. Treasury money market accounts yielding almost 5%. 
Uh, we're seeing um, uh, corporate bonds yielding 8%, 7%. The 10-year Treasury is yielding uh, 4%. It was as high as 5%. So if the Fed starts lowering interest rates, those bond prices will rise. And I think the bond market is going to be the place to be for safety and potential capital gains. And uh, my forecast for the yield on the 10-year Treasury bond, uh, right now it's 4%. Uh, I expect it to end the year uh, about 2.5%. So that's a significant drop in interest rates. And with that will come mortgage rates will come down as well because everything's tied to the 10-year Treasury. Uh, So we may see some relief uh, from um, the cost of money. Now, that doesn't mean your credit card interest rates will go down. That'll be the last thing. The banks, once they raise interest rates, uh, they don't like to bring them down, especially when they have a trillion dollars uh, that they're getting paid 20% on. Uh, so uh, don't hold your breath on that. But I think it'll be a good year for the bond market. I think it'll be uh, interest rates will be coming down, which isn't necessarily a good thing because if you need to live off interest and interest rates are coming down, well, the nice yields that we've been enjoying uh, right now uh, are going to go away. But the capital gains potential in the bond market is huge. So, you know, when people are in a bond fund or they own individual bonds, you know, there's two components to your return. There's the interest rate the bond pays you. And then there is the potential for prices to go up or go down. Interest rates go up, prices go down. Interest rates go down, prices go up. Think about the seesaw on a playground, if you will. And the longer the maturity, the more that movement is. So when interest rates are going down, you want to have long maturity bonds. When interest rates are going up, you certainly don't want to have that. And that's what a lot of the banks have on their balance sheet. And that's why we had such problems in the regional banks last year. And those problems haven't gone away. Uh, Speaking of banks, I expect to see uh, uh, this spring uh, another big bank failure regional bank failure, uh, which will be part of the reason why the markets have a huge correction. Uh, And we'll be hearing rumors of other banks. Even if you hear a rumor of a big bank, this thing's in trouble. And the thing now is that, you know, the Federal Reserve doesn't have the the power it used to have. I mean, the country right now just crossed $34 in debt. The Fed's balance sheet went from $600 billion in 2007, to $9 trillion right now. I mean, the numbers are just so huge. And that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing in your life. It's not a good thing in your company. It's not a good thing in your state. It's not a good thing in your city. And it's not a good thing when your country is laden in debt. And that's what we have. We have it across the board. Families, corporations, cities, states, and the federal government, all laden with that. And this goes worldwide. This is not just the United States. What was the number I heard recently? It's something like $350 trillion in debt in the world, the most it's ever been. That's all kinds of debt. And debt implodes at some point. You can't just keep growing debt and not have a problem. right? You can't keep uh, adding debt to your credit cards uh, and not have a problem. And everybody's maxed out right now, worldwide. The United States government, just since 2010, I think it was 2009, 2010, we had a total debt of $10 trillion. The entire history of the United States, 
grew debt to $10 trillion dollars uh, on 2009-2010. Since then, it's added $24 trillion to a total now of $34 trillion. I mean, the numbers are beyond astronomical. And, and, and most people don't even understand these numbers. And I try to uh, teach you how big these numbers really are, the differences. You know, a million is a thousand, thousand. And most people would like to have a million dollars. They'd feel pretty rich, wouldn't you? That's nothing. That's, that's a penny. It's a drop in the bucket to what money really is. A billion is a thousand million. So when you talked about a billionaire, even a, 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 a barely billionaire, imagine having a thousand million in an account. Wow, that would be pretty good, wouldn't it? And there's something like uh, 500 billionaires in the world. Did you know that? I thought that number was extremely high when I heard that. But it's not. 500 lucky people are worth 1,000 million. See, that's the thing. When you don't use the word billion, you just use the word 1,000 million. Oh, that sounds a little different, doesn't it? Well, what about a trillion? A trillion is 1,000 billion. 1,000 billion is... A lot of money. And the United States has 34,000 billion in debt. Now listen to this again. The United States government, you and me, and our children and our grandchildren in the future, right now, have 34,000 billion in debt. It's incredible. Another way to look at uh, money and how big it really is is uh, how long it takes to count to that number. Uh, how long does it take to count to a million? It takes 12 days. So if you start right now and you don't sleep, and every second you count one, two, three, it'll take you 12 days to get to a million. A billion will take you 12,000 days. Counting to a trillion would take 32,000 years. 32,000 years. That's a lot of money. And we're adding like uh, 2 trillion a year to the debt now. It's unsustainable. It's got to break at some point. Now, a big thing that's going to affect the, the financial markets here in the United States, and virtually all of them, is going to be the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar is going to drive a lot of stuff this year. And the dollar recently has been weak. Well, dollar gets weak when uh, there's anticipation that the central bank is going to lower interest rates. Money wants to flow to where there's yield. So if yield's going down, money flows out. If yield's going up, money flows in. So if there's concern that the Fed's going to lower interest rates, well, the dollar's going to, dollar's going to drop. Another issue is, the, the I told you last year, uh, last week, de-dollarization. That new term that's uh, very, very swanky now. Meaning that the world now is turning it away from the dollar as a means of trade. And we talked about the BRICS nations. The BRICS nations are going to be a big story this year. Just this week, uh, January 1st. 
Saudi Arabia joined the BRICS. You have Egypt. You have uh, United Arab Emirates. Now already you have India, China, Russia. All joining the BRICS. And there's 20 nations that have indicated they'd like to join. This is competition for the United States and the U.S. dollar. Also, we're starting to see oil-producing nations trade oil in, in, in local currencies. Again, negative for the dollar, the petrodollar. So I expect that the U.S. dollar is going to drop. Also, you have to understand that, that currencies go down when there's political instability in the country. Currencies go down when there's a lack of faith in the legal process. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, uh, currencies go down when the country's in debt and continues to grow debt. So we have political instability. We have debt rising exponentially. We have a de-dollarization going on. How can the dollar not go down? And uh, if the dollar goes down, it's going to affect uh, a lot of things. It's called purchasing power. It's called inflation, right? So I expect a deflation in the first six, six months of 2024. Then I expect to see a renewed inflation, one that we're never going to come back from later on in 2024. As the Fed gets desperate, lowers interest rates, doesn't care about inflation anymore, has to fund the Treasury. You know, when the Treasury is uh, short... Uh, they issue bonds, right? And uh, typically the public foreign countries buy our, our treasury bonds. That was the deal with Saudi Arabia in 1971 or 73 when Kissinger went there and the petrodollar was born. We would defend Saudi Arabia. We would provide them with all military backing and equipment as long as they trade oil in dollars and recycle those dollars into U.S. Treasury debt. Well, that's no longer the game anymore. Saudi Arabia has made a military alliance with Russia, is now part of the BRICS nation, and it made it quite clear that they're going to be trading oil in other than dollars. And then you got the Biden administration telling the producers of oil that, hey, we're going green, nice to know you. Uh, so that support for the dollar is going away. And there's something uh, uh, that a lot of people are talking about, that one day that, that a, a bunch of countries are going to come out the same day and say, um, we're not using dollars anymore. And that'll be, uh, that'll be a black, black swan event. Definitely. What do they call it? Operation Sandman. Operation Sandman is what uh, people say it's called on the Internet. The plan to dump the dollar. So that would, uh, a declining dollar means that everything that we import becomes more expensive. And uh, we import everything because we don't make anything in the United States anymore. So what will that mean for um, your wealth? Well, I tell you, part of your wealth is in gold and silver. You're going to do very well. And I think gold is going to be a story. For 2024, I mean, we're sitting at all-time highs right now, just about on gold. Silver is so far behind gold. I think if I had to pick one asset to outperform everything else in 2024, it's going to be silver as a percent gain. I think silver can go up 100% this year. I actually think gold could too. 
under the right scenario. Because again, gold and silver are the opposite of the U.S. dollar. They're inversely correlated. And part of the reason why you know, gold has hit a record high is because the dollar's been coming down since November when the Federal Reserve started talking about lowering interest rates. And again, as the dollar goes down, the price of gold and silver go up. Now, one thing you have to keep in mind, precious metals don't go up. They don't go up at all. The currency goes down. So it takes more of that currency to buy the ounce of gold. Gold doesn't change. But the value of the U.S. dollar does, especially when you're printing trillions of them, a thousand billion of them every six months, you're diluting it. It's, it's just... It's just basic math. It's just you take that with you. You take a company and issue uh, uh, millions of shares. Uh, the value of each share goes down because your proportional ownership goes down. And again, uh, currencies reflect uh, what the world thinks of the country. The United States is not held in esteem around the world right now. Joe Biden's done a great job in destroying uh, the way the world views us economically, militarily. And politically. And they're going to vote with their, with their dollars. And as those dollars come back home here, we're going to have inflation like we've never seen before. So gold and silver, I think, is my go-to investments for 2024. Uh, there'll certainly be wealth preservation vehicle. It's not too late to get in, especially silver. Uh, you all need to own some in your life. How much is up to you? You know, back in my baby days of financial planning school, uh, in an asset allocation pie, uh, about 10 to 15% of your investment assets were in gold and silver. And that went away in the 90s and the 2000s as gold was not looked at as a, a, a financial vehicle anymore. It was all about stocks and bonds. But since 2000, you know gold has been the best performing asset since 2000. It's outperformed the stock market by far. I mean, in 2000, I think gold was $300 an ounce. And now it's 2000 And I think at some point in 2024, uh, gold is going to trade like Bitcoin did when it went from 1000 to 68000 out of nowhere. And you have central banks all over the world with record purchases of gold. Record purchases. And they're all brick nations. Why are they all out there buying gold? Because they don't want U.S. dollars. They don't want U.S. Treasury bills. They see what's happening to the dollar. They see what's happening to the power of the United States. You know, militarily, we don't even have ammunition. We've given it all to Ukraine and the rest to, to Israel. We can't even fight a war right now. That's how bad it is. Remember when Trump came to office, he said that we didn't even have bullets when he came in after Obama, well, we're back to the same situation. God willing, if Trump is back in the White House, first thing he's going to do is ramp up weapons productions. I mean, you know, we, we can't even defend one war right now. Which brings me to uh, geopolitical events. The world is a powder keg right now. We all know that started two years ago with the Russia invading Ukraine. That war, I think, is coming to an end in 2024. I pray that it does. 
there was big concern that that uh, this would turn into World War Three, and there's still obviously a concern about that. But I think that it's obvious to the Ukrainians and to the rest of the world that they're losing, and that uh, they're going to have to come to some kind of peace agreement, which will mean giving part of the Ukraine to the Russians that they already have. Now I pray that's the end of that. But we have another problem that could lead to World War III, and that is the Middle East, which I am not so sanguine about. I'm very concerned about it. And there's no doubt that Israel can defeat Hamas. That, that's, that's a given. But if the rest of the Middle East comes out against Israel, that's a totally different situation. Even if Hezbollah from Lebanon uh, attacks, that's a formidable uh, army of well-trained, uh, well-financed, uh, well-weaponized uh, soldiers, you know, that, that, that could give Israel a very, very difficult time. And if Iran comes in, you know, what uh, are the Revolutionary Guards? The commanders were killed by Israel last week. Uh, so it's ramping up there, and uh, if Iran gets involved or, or, or any other Arab country, uh, we got World War III on our hands. And what goes with that, given the, the region, is skyrocketing energy prices, maybe an oil embargo against the, the West. For those not old enough to remember, it was, I think, 1974, Right after the Yom Kippur War um, in 1973, uh, the Arab OPEC, um, Arab countries exporting oil, all got together and embargoed the United States. And I believe it was other Western countries as well. Oil was very scarce. Uh, gasoline was scarce. They had rationing here in the United States. Odd and even number of days when you can go and get gas. Uh, limits to how much you could fill up. People stopped driving as much as they could. And this went on for a year or two. I remember pretty well. I was 14 at the time. And I remember sitting with my dad in long lines down the highway, waiting hours to just get gas on the days that we were allowed to. And it was really expensive relatively at the time to where uh, energy, uh, gasoline prices were prior to that. I forecast that that's going to happen again in 2024. I think we're going to have an oil embargo. And I do believe that the Middle East war is going to escalate into a regional conflict. Uh, obviously, the Russians would, would back the Arabs. The United States would back Israel. And who knows where, where, where that goes. And, uh, you know, Israel is in real danger right now. They're in real danger of being vanquished from the land. I mean, if, if there was a, a full-out Arab invasion, Egypt from the south, Iran from the north, uh, Israel would have, to, uh, would have to cling to survival. And you know what that means? That means nuclear weapons would be brought out because Israel is armed, nuclear armed. So that's the biggest risk right now we have in the world is uh, that the Israel-Hamas conflict explodes into a greater regional or world war. And uh, millions would die uh, 
it would affect the world economy in drastic ways. Uh, we may even have to uh, put our own troops into conflict. And if that happens, um, then the most uh, one of the worst things I could possibly think of happening is going to happen, and it may happen anyway. It's the sinking of one of our uh, Navy vessels off uh, Israel or in the Red Sea. Can you imagine that? Imagine an aircraft carrier being taken down by a ton of drones or, or a battleship. You sunk my battleship. Nothing to laugh at, actually. Uh, we'd immediately be in the war. We'd immediately be at war. We're so ill-equipped for war now, as I mentioned earlier, as far as our armaments, as far as our recruiting, as far as our training, as far as our, our fitness. You know how many people in the Army are obese or overweight, unhealthy, haven't been tested in combat? We'd have to have a draft. And boy, what would happen in this country if they reinstituted the draft? Uh, would the millenniums go? Or they would just say, you know, hell with this, I'm out of here. So, I mean, the risk in 2024 of um, major conflict, which would make the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war look like nothing. We're talking about, you know, Pearl Harbor, World War II kind of war. But the problem with that is it wouldn't be it wouldn't be limited to uh, Europe or the Far East. It would be in our own homeland. We will be attacked. So it's, again, I don't want to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you the risks that we live in in 2024. There's certain years to be optimistic and think America's great and everything is good and I'm comfortable for my family. Financially, I'm all right. Markets are doing good. But do not have normalcy bias. Don't believe just because the past was a certain way that that's the way the future will be. So it's a pretty scary world we live in right now. Uh, you would think by this stage of humanity's growth that warfare and, and stuff like this, the talk like this would be done already. That we wouldn't see children and women killed, innocent people. Collateral damage, as they call it. Uh, but it still happens. I guess, I guess human nature hasn't changed. And remember, I, I brought it back to good versus evil early on. It, 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 we have that battle going on right now in the world. And how evil was it that uh, Hamas terrorists came into Israel and did what they did to those poor people? That's evil. Pure evil. They say if you see some of the videos that were taken of, of, of what they did, you couldn't believe that a person was human to do that to another human. That's how much they hate each other. And this is nothing new. This has been going on for centuries, right? But to think, to think there's that much hatred, that much inhumanity in the world is very distressing. But again, at the end of the day, I think uh, good will win out. But until then, uh, I shudder to think of the carnage we're going to see. 
around the world. And uh, later this year, I expect that um, we're going to see involvement by other countries uh, in the war. We're going to see oil prices skyrocket. I think ultimately we'll see an embargo of the West, uh, which would be a, a disaster, a disaster for the world, a disaster for our country. Yeah, then maybe uh, Biden will declare war and suspend the elections. Didn't Zelensky do that? He suspended the elections until the war is over. So the geopolitical situation is really tough. Um, China has been coming out lately. Uh, President Xi gave his New Year's address to the nation and saying that China and Taiwan will be unified. And there's some concern that 2024 will be the year that China invades Taiwan. And the question is, what does the United States do about it? We're going to do nothing. We're going to do nothing. Joe Biden will do nothing. What will happen is uh, we, we just don't have the military might to project around the world and fight a war that we could win against China. And they're what, 10 million man army or whatever they have? Uh, so hopefully it doesn't come down to that. Um, and do you know that Taiwan produces most of the world's microchips? That's right, Taiwan. What will that do to the high-tech industry and the ability to get uh, components to make electronic equipment or weapons? All right, let's go. uh, That's a geopolitical situation. Let's come back home here to America and look at the domestic political situation. Now, we have a presidential election this year. It's already in turmoil. Already. We have uh, Donald Trump. Four different lawsuits with 90 indictments from insurrection to uh, the documents that he supposedly took that were classified to uh, questioning the election in Georgia. I mean, uh, if he's convicted by any of these courts, and he will be in one of these courts, assuming that a trial is held this year, and it looks like uh, the January 6th trial um, is is probably not going to happen um, before the election. But the question is, if, if he's convicted by some Democratic court in some Democratic city, namely D.C., I mean, D.C. is 95% Democrats, how are you going to get a fair jury there? And the judge in that case is uh, Trump-hating, left-wing judge, I mean, so what if he is convicted? What is his followers going to do? What if they say, oh, he can't be on the ballot? You see all these states trying to get him off the ballot. He hasn't even been convicted of anything yet. Imagine what they'll do if they if he does have a conviction on one of these charges. It's going to get ugly, my friends. It's going to get real ugly here in the United States. And there's going to be civil unrest. That's the one thing I'm 100% sure of on this whole forecast. I'm not sure about anything that I've said so far. I'm not sure about it. I'm telling, I think it's more than probable what I brought up on this show, but I'm, I'm not sure of it. One thing I am sure about is there's going to be civil unrest around the election. And it'll be by both sides. I mean, uh, if Trump loses, it would be obvious to everybody that the election was rigged. I mean, there's no way Biden beats Trump. No way Biden beat Trump the first time. 
But I don't think they could cheat enough. Uh, I mean, Biden is so unpopular. I just don't think they could cheat enough if they can. Wow. They got some they got some cheating industry going there, those Democrats. They're trying everything they can. And they'll try. They will cheat. They will mail in ballots. They will ballot harvest. They'll mess around with the machines. They've done it before. That's what they do. They don't care how they win. And that's the thing with the Republicans. Republicans try to play by the rules. As far as the Democrats, they, there is no rules. They do what they want. Democracy be damned. Now, what happens if Trump wins? The left is going to go nuts in this country. And you're going to see riots. You're going to see uh, uh, cities burning. That'll be so bad, it'll make the George Floyd riots look like a campfire. That's how bad it's going to get. Because we're in a revolution. I said it last week. There's a revolution going on in this country. The left, the Marxists, the communists, the globalists, whatever you want to call them, the deep state, they are trying to take over. And they've done pretty well so far. Rigged elections, having left-wing judges appointed. Uh, they've done a good job so far. Censoring conservatives or anybody that doesn't follow their narrative. Cancel culture, which again, I think is coming to an end. But we will see in this election the extent of big tech censorship of anything pro-Trump. And they'll do it. The Democrats don't care. You can catch them 50 times to Sunday. They don't care. They don't care. That's the thing is they don't care. Even if it's obvious to everybody, they don't care. Because it doesn't matter anyway. Because nothing will happen to them. We saw the um, mother and daughter team in Atlanta that who allegedly took ballots out from under a table after they, they shooed the Republicans away because of some made-up water leak. And then they put these ballots multiple times through the ballot counting machine. It's on videotape. You get to see it for yourself. And the judge in the Rudy Giuliani case would not allow that tape to be shown. You want to talk about judicial bias? So meanwhile, so the, so the jury turns a guilty verdict against Giuliani uh, and orders him to pay $150 million to these two women who allegedly participated in voter fraud in Atlanta and may have swung the election. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the way it should be working. It seems that they should be losing a lawsuit and go to jail, not being paid $150 million. Nice work if you can get it. Commit a voter fraud crime and you get paid $150 million. Pretty amazing. But you've seen nothing. We, you know, the 2000 election was crazy. Uh, the 2020 election was crazy. But you've seen nothing yet. This year, the election, if it happens, is going to be insane. We're going to look like a third world country at the peak of its chaos later this year, which can't be good. For anything. Can't be good for financial markets. Can't be good for the dollar. Can't be good for our freedoms. Who knows what draconian martial law they'll institute. You know, they'll start the riots left in this country, and then Biden will declare martial law 
and either eliminate the election or eliminate the ability of Donald Trump to get the presidency after he was elected. There's a lot of different permutations of what could happen here. A lot. Last minute, they could pull Biden and just put in somebody. Uh, Who knows what's going to happen? We don't know. We're in uncharted political territory here in the United States. And I tell you, as a political junkie myself, I'm fascinated to see how this is going to play out. I'm fascinated. I have I have a tremendous amount of trepidation and foreboding in it. I think it's going to be bad. Uh, but, you know, it'll be fascinating. It'll be interesting. But it's going to be really scary. So, uh, you know, buckle up your seatbelts. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Uh, and I probably suggest that you uh, stock up on um, food, water, and alcohol. Because you're going to need all three to get through the times that are coming. All right, so let's talk uh, immigration or invasion, whatever you want to call it. I call it an invasion. Where the Biden administration has just openly facilitated uh, an invasion of this country. I mean, it's beyond, uh, what, was it 8 million so far? The population of New Jersey has been let in in the three years that Biden has been president. Nothing makes me more insane uh, about it, just watching these people walking in. And apparently they've been given $5,000 gift cards, a plane ticket to anywhere they want to go. Oh, there's a court date that they have to show up with in 2033. And they're all being uh, registered to vote, too. I wonder for who. Very, very scary. And I expect that to continue in 2024. I don't see them reversing course on that. They would have already. Even though uh, the country, the pop, you know, you do a poll on it, and the country's almost universally against it, except the crazy left-wingers. But it's going to get worse. They're just going to continue to do it. And the problem is, we're seeing military-aged single men without their families coming into our country from all over the world. Tens of thousands from China. Could these be spies? Could these people be pre-positioned for attacks against the United States? You know, all of our, um, all of our agencies are armed now. You know, the IRS is totally armed. Uh, the Labor Department's totally armed. Why do some of these departments that have nothing to do with military, why are they arming themselves? Is it to give all these weapons to the, uh, the pre-positioned uh, warriors against the United States? Nothing would surprise me. What would be the purpose? To use these against the people? I don't know. But don't think that you can't have civil war in the United States. We're having it now. It's just one side is fighting it, the left. But at some point, the right's going to push back. And uh, it's going to get ugly. And just realize that the right is the ones that believe in the Second Amendment. And many people on the right took advantage of the Second Amendment and bear arms. What will it take uh, for, for people? And I'm not talking about crazy right-wing nuts. I'm talking about the average conservative 
the average Donald Trump supporter. What will have to happen to make them go over the edge and fight back? Can we see the left and the right in the streets of cities in the United States going against each other in gunfire? Very well, that may happen, and uh, certainly around election time. And that's crazy. We're living in crazy land, and uh, I said last week, it's like kind of uh, you went to bed one night and you woke up the next morning and it was like Twilight Zone. And, and it is. Where black is white, white is black, girls are boys, boys are girls. Satan is good. God is bad. Uh, shouldn't have a border. It's all insane. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, wake me up from this nightmare. It's almost like uh, it's, it's a wonderful life. You remember when George, uh, you know, uh, comes back after, you know, Clarence saves him from killing himself at the bridge. And the entire town is different. It's corrupted. It's perverted. Morals are gone. It's kind of like the same thing. But, you know, it was all, uh, you know, it all came back to normal. When George went back to the bridge, right? And all of a sudden he was alive again. And, you know, he made a difference. It was his life. That's why it's called The Wonderful Life that prevented that breakdown. But it seems like that's what's happening here in the United States. And it seems to have happened very fast. It really seems that things had gone south just in the last, let's say COVID, when COVID started during Trump's administration, 2019. And here we are in 2024, man, you know, not even five years later. And everything about society is broken down. Everything is turned bad. Uh Everything is turned to insanity, especially this gender stuff that they're pushing on our kids. I mean, this this is uh, this is mental illness. It's incredible. How about this? You know, you know, it, it's it's terrible that uh, you know guys all of a sudden you know they're, they're terrible in sports against other men. Then they say they were a girl, and then they go go to girls swimming team, and then they get gold medals or cycling or whatever. I mean, that's insane. In a normal world, that wouldn't happen. Now, this past week, USA Boxing is going to allow men who identify as women to get in a boxing ring with a woman. I mean, does this make any sense to anybody that has a, a rational mind? It is truly insane. And we're supposed to accept this. It's insanity. Everything about our society is broken down. It's going to continue to break down in 2024. Now, I said earlier in the program that I think this whole woke thing and this transgender thing has reached its apex. Uh, and I think the, um, the population of the country now are going to turn to other things that are much more important in their life. Like the economy, like inflation, like uh, surviving what's happening politically in the country that this insanity about gender stuff is going to, it won't go away entirely, but I, I think it's, it's reached its peak. At least I hope so. Now, one thing we didn't talk about so far in 2024, is there going to be another pandemic? 
you know, they, again, predictive programming, they, they, they try to tell you in advance what's happening. But, you know, the World Economic Forum and WHO, the uh, World Health Organization, all talking about, ooh, maybe a worse pandemic may be coming. Uh, and uh, I just don't see the world putting up with another lockdown or being pushed vax or anything like that. I, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. But maybe this is the real one. Maybe this is the one that actually kills tens of millions of people. Because obviously COVID wasn't strong enough. It only killed the elderly and the weak. Uh, but the most of us survived it. Whether or not we survived the jab, uh, that's another story. But will there be another scare? Will it come out to prevent the election or uh, enable mail-in balloting? I don't know. That's the one thing we don't know. So uh, lots to be concerned about, huh? Any one of these things we've been talking about on the program would be a cause for concern. But you put all these things together, and boy, 2024 looks like uh, it's going to be a tough year for the world. So let's sum up uh, my predictions for 2024. Stocks down, big down year for stocks, very volatile. Uh, Up year for bonds as the Fed lowers interest rates. Big up year for precious metals, gold and silver. Silver being the best asset to own in 2024. Uh, oil prices all over the place, uh, very dependent on news from the Middle East. Uh, certainly if there's an embargo against the West, which could very well happen if the Israel conflict heats up and the, the West participates in it more aggressively. Uh, so that'll be, that'll be a, a real interesting thing. Uh, inflation waning in the first half of the year, becoming deflation in financial assets, deflation in energy and deflation uh, in financial assets including housing. And one thing I didn't talk about was the housing market. And the housing market is held up very well given the rise in mortgage rates. Uh, Much better than I ever thought would happen. Now, some say, well, if the Fed's going to start lowering interest rates next year, that's good for housing. No, it's not really. Because the reason why housing prices have held up is because people don't want to sell their house because they have a 3.5% mortgage and they don't want to get a 7.5% mortgage. So they're holding on to the house that they're living in, which means supply is down, and anybody who's looking to buy a house are looking at elevated prices. Now, my guess is once mortgage rates start coming down, people are going to be more apt to want to sell because they know they could pretty much afford the new mortgage at 4%, or 45 or whatever it is, and you'll have that supply loosen up. And I think you're going to see a pretty significant downturn in housing prices in 2024. And again, that all assumes that the Fed does lower rates and that uh, that the mortgage mortgage market and the bond market follows, which I think it will. I think that's what's going to happen with housing. So uh, deflation, then in the second half of the year, uh, inflation, as the Fed turns on the money printing press again and starts lowering interest rate, and as the dollar... Uh, uh, declines. Now, the dollar index right now is about 102, 102.4, something like that. Uh, my guess is that the dollar index is going to plunge this year, and it's going to hit a low of 82, 
So that's a 20% loss in purchasing power of the dollar versus other currencies. Now, in terms of gold and silver, I mean, we could see a double. But I see gold prices easily uh, going to 3000 this year. It's Right now, it's a little over 2000 so a 50% move. And I could see silver making a 100% move to 50. It's 24 right now, uh, going to 50 or greater. And again, silver, I believe, is going to be the number one asset to own in 2024. As far as geopolitics goes, Middle East is the big question. We'll see what happens there. And then, of course, we have um, the election here in the United States, which is going to be a doozy. And I can't predict what's going to happen there. I really can't. Uh, There's so many variables from the lawsuits, from trying to get Trump off the ballot, uh, to possible elimination of Trump. Take that any way you want. But that's what the Democrats have been talking about. To... uh, total uh, voter fraud, the cancellation of the elections. I mean, there's so many things that could happen uh, regarding the 2024 presidential election. And to me, that's the most unsure thing that's happening right now because there's so many different uh, iteratives it could take. All right, let's take another short break. My name is Lou Skatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. AFM Investments' Lou Skatigna has been serving Ocean County for over 35 years. AFM Investments brings a level of expertise, knowledge, and experience to the Jersey Shore that you would typically have to pursue with a premier investment firm on Wall Street. Whether you need income tax preparation or financial planning, he has the experience to help you with whatever your needs are. For more information, log on to AFMinvestments.net. Advisory services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. All right, welcome back to our special 2024 forecast edition of The Financial Physician, where I tell you what I think is going to happen in 2024 in politics, geopolitics, financial markets, the economy, uh, and anything else that affects our lives here. And uh, it's been a pretty dark forecast. I know that. It depressed me putting this together. And I did a lot of research on this. I, do, I start researching this weeks before I do this. Uh, and I tried to convince myself that this was too dark, it, it's it, it's not going to be this way. I tried to be optimistic, and I could not bring myself away from these conclusions. And as I said at the beginning of the show, first of all, this is, I do this more for fun than anything, you know, but uh, this year it's serious because we have so many negative things going on in the world. It is a, a, such a very important inflection point in history, uh, U.S. history and world history. And I follow a lot of smart people, much smarter than me, 
I don't just pull this out of my head. I do a lot of research. I, I read a lot of people. I follow a lot of people. Not the mainstream media and the people you'll see on CNBC, the establishment people, not them. The Bill Holters of the world, uh, the... Um, um, I don't want the um, the Catherine Austin Fitz of the world who publishes the Soleri Report. She was Assistant Secretary of Housing. Listen to her stuff. You think I'm negative about the dollar in the economy? Listen to her. Uh, There's uh, Martin Armstrong. There's so many people that uh, don't get coverage in the mainstream media that have been right uh, so many times before. And that's the people I follow, and that's how I, I come down to these conclusions. And there's other people I follow for politics and geopolitics. I try to stay away from the mainstream media for my information. I try to get it through alternative research. Uh, and there's a lot of talk out there. You can call it conspiracy theories. Problem is, a lot of these things that were conspiracy theories wound up being conspiracy facts. And I think a lot of the things that we talked about today on this program, it's going to be that way. So it's pretty dark. My voice seems very low today. I was just listening to the playback, and uh, it seems like I have a, uh, a downed voice. Maybe that's uh, a reflection of the, the emotion that I have and the things that we're talking about today. I think I just got a little throat thing going on. So if I sound a little throaty, I apologize. Uh, one thing I didn't cover when I was doing the forecast is unemployment. Uh, right now, we have a 3.7% unemployment rate, if you want to believe the government. Uh, this Friday, the December jobs report was released, and oh, surprise, it was better than expected. <laughs> Isn't it always better than expected? Uh, you know, the, the ADP, which actually deal, does uh, uh, payrolls for businesses, said there was 100, I think, 80,000 jobs created in December. Uh, and I think uh, what the government said, it was more like 255000 So you're going to always see that. The government, this year, every economic number you comes out is going to be better than expected. And then like six months later, they'll revise them down to what they really are or not even where they really are. And the unemployment rate is only 3.7%. Uh, you ask some co- economists like John Williams who figures out the unemployment rate based the way it used to be figured out. Uh, and we're close to 20% unemployment. <laughs> a little different than what the government's telling us, right? But I think the official unemployment rate will go up. There's no way they could fudge that too much as people start losing their jobs and you start seeing first-time claims for unemployment go up. Uh, it's going to rise to 5% from 37 The official government rate, the real rate's going to be like 25%. Uh, by the end of 2024, and it may even be greater than that. So I, I, I miss covering that uh, before the break, so I just wanted to, to touch on unemployment because uh, obviously it's a big driver of the economy and the GDP, and that's why I say by the second quarter it's going to be evident uh, that we have negative GDP and we're entering a very significant economic downturn or recession. So I mentioned earlier that uh, one of the good things in 2024 is we're done with the, the COVID control. Uh, we're done being uh, herded into taking experimental, quote-unquote, vaccines that aren't safe and aren't effective and haven't been properly tested, have been railroaded down our throats by the FDA and the government, CDC, in cahoots with 
big farmer. And 2024 is going to be the year where everybody's going to realize how dangerous these vaccines are. I mean, we see it every day. Soccer players falling down, straight down to the ground, collapsing on a soccer field. We're seeing many young people have heart attacks, strokes. You can't cover this up. They're trying to. It's underreported. I've seen reports that say at least 7 million people have died around the world from the vaccine. Many more than died from COVID itself. Well, this week, uh, Dr. Fauci, who spearheaded this whole medical tyranny and funded the gain-of-function research in Wuhan. I mean, this guy's a bad guy. This guy should be... uh, I don't know what should happen to him, but, I mean, this guy's a bad guy. I mean, he, he created the virus, then pushed everybody to get the vaccine. I wonder how much money he was kicked back on that. But he's going to go in front of um, Congress. And you probably don't recall this, but in um, 2021, he, uh, he had this quote. It said, quote, it's been proven that when you make it difficult for people in their lives, they lose their ideological bullshit and they get vaccinated. That's what he said. I don't know where the forum was that he said it. It wasn't in front of Congress, but he said it. So in other words, make people's lives so difficult that they have no choice. Um, And then he went on to say, it's as simple as black and white. If you're vaccinated, you're safe. Well, that wasn't true, was it? I wonder if he's going to abandon his own ideological bullshit when he goes in front of Congress next week. So he's going to go in front of the House Select Committee on the Coronavirus Pandemic uh, for two days of uh, depositions. It's not going to be public. And he has to explain his role in funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology and his efforts to debunk the lab leak theory, COVID mandates, and federal censorship. He's got to answer to all this. And later on, he'll speak at a public hearing after that. And the subcommittee announced that Fauci's honesty is non-negotiable. Yeah, but uh, maybe his memory will stage another boycott like the last time he was asked. You know, he uh, was deposed in 2022. And he claimed 174 times, I don't recall. Including damning emails uh, that he sent that are quite memorable. I don't recall. Recall anyway, you know, that's a trick. You're taught that by lawyers. If you're lying, if you're gonna lie about something, just say you don't recall it. Because they can't they can't say that you're lying, that you don't recall it. Everybody's memory is their memory, right? I don't remember. Well, yes, you do. No, I don't. I don't remember. That way you avoid perjuring yourself. So 174 times on his last deposition, he didn't recall. Uh, he better go from a memory check. Um, and, you know, uh, Rand Paul called him out many times uh, saying he lied, you know, to Congress. And then Fauci said he did. And um, why would anybody want to fund or do gain-of-function research to make a virus more lethal that could possibly kill millions of people in the world. I mean, 
what is the advantage of doing that? There is no advantage, unless you want to kill people. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. Um, but I think 2024 is going to be the year that everything comes out on coronavirus. The lies, the funding, the lab leak, uh, the, um, the vaccine. And uh, in 2023, I mean, Pfizer's stock is tanked. Uh, nobody's, get, nobody's getting the va- uh, vaccination anymore. Nobody. I think 7% got the booster that they put out this time. People aren't taking it, and they're not going to take it. And I think um, this uh, whole coronavirus pandemic and the vaccine, the mandates and all that, have turned Americans, and probably more people around the world, against vaccines than anything. There's more anti-vaxxers now than there ever was. Uh, so it wasn't really good PR uh, for vaccine uh, when you see people all around the world, young people dropping dead, died suddenly. The new, uh, the new cause of death for young people is died suddenly. No cause of death was released. That's always the way it goes. How does a healthy athlete who had no heart problems drop dead on a soccer field? And it's happening repeatedly. Hasn't happened. And uh, now there's real concerns now that uh, uh, something in this vaccine is triggering uh, uh, cancer. They call it turbo cancer now. Turbo cancer, meaning you, you get cancer and it just metastasizes so quickly. Doctors have never seen anything like it before. People that were in, in remission that had the vaccine, their cancer is back in spades. There's so many things that are going to come out regarding this vaccine, and heads are going to roll. Well, hopefully they will. But I tell you, it would have took four big men to hold me down to get that vaccination. I know it. I told you on my radio show. I wasn't doing it. It's not been vetted yet. Uh, Don't believe what the government's telling you, that it's safe and effective. Most people didn't die from it. 99.9% of people got it, survived. I had it twice. It was a bad cold for me. Uh, you know, I'd rather, get, I'd rather get COVID five times than have that vaccine shot into me. So 2024, that's all going to come out. Uh, we're going to hear a lot about that. This is going to be the year of revelation of uh, COVID, how it happened. Uh, the censorship that went on against anybody who was against the vaccine, myself included. I'm off of YouTube for life because of my views on the vaccine and the election. Banned for life. No explanation, but that's the only reasons they would, would ban me for life, I guess. It's, a, it's pretty insidious what these platforms can do to you because they're private companies, so to speak. You know, on my YouTube channel, which I had for many years, I have vacation videos, videos of my children, videos of my appearances on Fox News and and, uh, Fox and Friends, CNBC, MSNBC, Fox Business. All those appearances are gone. They own them now. And I have no other source to replace them. 
I never knew that they could do that. Uh, they could just take all my stuff. You know what they really should do? Just don't allow you to post if they, they, they think you post objectionable stuff. But they take your whole channel. Plus everybody I followed on YouTube. I followed like 400 people's channels on YouTube. I had to set up a new account with a different email address and build up all those subscriptions again. And that's another big problem with the country is censorship. And you're going to see it to the nth degree during this election. We're already seeing it. Um, but I digress. Um, but I told everybody on this channel that you shouldn't, unless you're, you're, you're elderly, you have uh, immune uh, problems, and apparently the vaccine makes your immunity system worse. Uh, that's what we're finding out now. Um, but I tell you, I'm glad me, my wife, most of my family didn't take the vaccine. The ones that did were coerced by their jobs to do so. Uh, I have a family member who works for the government. He was mandated to get it. And he had tears in his eyes. He didn't want to get it. He was fearful of it. And they made him do it anyway. They did it to the entire armed forces of the United States. And now we have uh, pilots who can't fly. We have soldiers that have immunity problems. I mean, you want to you, you want you want to kill off a, a foreign army? That's one way to do it. And now they're saying, "Oh, you can come back uh, to the army um, if you refused." Well, it's a little too late. Uh, people moved on with their lives already. Just everything they do, everything that that the government does, is the opposite of what's good for the country. What's good for you? What's good for me? And you wonder why. You know, who's running it? The Klaus Schwabs of the world? The Soros's of the world? The Bill Gates of the world? Uh, Klaus Schwab. You'll own nothing and be happy. And that's where they're going. You, know, you got to read a, a lengthy... Uh, no, it's actually a, it's, it's actually a book. And it's called The Great Taking. Taking, as in taking your stuff. And it's written by David Rogers Webb. And I, and I encourage you to Google it and look it up and, uh, and read it. Uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. And he talks about how uh, the goal of the globalists is to take everything. Your stocks, your bonds, your bank accounts. And you'll have nothing. But I don't think you'll be happy. So in the introduction, he writes, what is this book about? It's about the taking of collateral, all of it, the end game of this globally synchronous debt accumulation super cycle. This is being executed by a long-planned intelligent design, the audacity and scope of which is difficult for the mind to encompass. Included are all financial assets, all money on deposit at banks, all stocks and bonds, and hence, all underlying property of all public corporations, including all inventories, plants, and equipment, land, mineral deposits, inventions, and intellectual property. Privately owned personal and real property financed with any amount of debt will be similarly taken, as will the assets of privately owned businesses which have been financed with debt. If even partially successful, this will be the greatest conquest and subjugation in world history. Wow. 
And this guy is not not stupid. I mean, this this guy is a pretty brilliant guy. Uh, and he has this lengthy. It's a book, and he talks all about how we got here. Uh, it's pretty uh, enlightening, to say the least. And he talks that you know, uh, you know, you don't own the the stocks in your ba- your brokerage account. You 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 you're the the beneficial owner, but you're not really the owner. The owner is the D- DTC Corporation, which has the stocks. There's no stock in your account. There's just a ledger entry that you want 100 shares of IBM. The IBM is at the DTC, all the shares. They have it. And what he's saying is, in this great taking, the DTC is the real owner of those assets. And uh, say you have money in a brokerage account, at XYZ Brokerage, and uh, XYZ Brokerage has derivatives with XBV Brokerage, and uh, uh, they're basically bankrupt. Well, XBV Brokerage could take the assets held by the clients of XYZ Brokerage, which is your money. A lot of people don't notice, but he lays this all out in a very, very detailed manner. And he's been around. He's, he's a hedge fund manager on Wall Street. He's been around the block. He's an older guy. Uh, so he's not just some conspiracy theorist. And he's looked into all the case law and everything else. Now, better than reading his uh, 100-page uh, book, uh, I suggest you go to YouTube and search for The Great Taking. Uh, that's the name of the channel, too. And there's an hour, I think it's an hour and 11-minute documentary of him laying this stuff out in a relatively easy-to-understand manner. It's a lot easier to listen to him talk about it uh, than to read the book. And I'm going to play a little bit of this um, for you just to give you a flavor uh, of what he's talking about. Now, he's going to talk about how your securities are pulled together. He's going to talk about changes to the Uniform Commercial Code that gave these custodians the power uh, to take your assets and settle claims uh, from any other uh, creditor on them. And it was done very, very quietly. Take a listen. That's when I discovered it had been done through changes to the Uniform Commercial Code in the United States. This had been done in all 50 states. So it was something that could be done very quietly over a long period of time and did not have to be done at the federal level, didn't draw attention. What they did was to create a new legal construct of a security entitlement. Now prior to this, as I said, securities for 400 years were personal property. This concept of a security entitlement severed that. That's its purpose. So what people then have in institutions and pension funds, even sophisticated investors, all they have is an entitlement. It's a claim. It's a contractual claim, which is very weak in the event of insolvency. So it's an appearance of ownership. It's sometimes referred to as beneficial ownership, which sounds nice. But what it means is that you receive dividends, you receive a proxy, you are the owner of title. You can, of course, you can buy it and sell it, but you can see in documents that I've found that the legal owner is actually the entity that controls the security with a secured interest. They are the legal owners. 
property. So now you have a contractual claim. Next, all of the securities are held in pooled form. So you have no specific identification. It used to be that with paper certificates, they were numbered. You had a specific numbered bond or stock share certificate. So now they're fungible fungible bulk, book entry form, pooled. Further, we know, and it is absolutely irrefutable from the Fed's own response to a questionnaire from the EU, that even segregated accounts, even people or institutions that have been told that their securities are segregated, are in the same pool and entitled to only a pro rata share in the event of an insolvency of the custodian. So again, segregation is just an appearance. People are told that it's an absolute subterfuge. And the shocking thing is that even sophisticated institutional investors do not understand this or they don't want to know it. Well, that was pretty eye-opening. Until I saw this, I had no idea about this stuff. Now, he goes on, you know, he, he talks, you know, it's a pretty lengthy YouTube video. It's an hour and 11 minutes, and I highly recommend you go to YouTube and just search for The Great Taking uh, and watch it. Uh, he lays out all the legal stuff and everything else, and um, it, it, it's really mind-blowing. He goes on to talk about the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers and uh, what happened to uh, the securities that they held. And then with the failure of Lehman Brothers, this was cemented in case law. And we can see the judgment by the bankruptcy court related to this. What happened there was that J.P. Morgan was both the custodian for the client assets and the secured creditor that took the client assets, which prior to 2005, everything that happened there would have been constructively fraudulent. But the bankruptcy judge, this is the Southern District of New York, which is Manhattan, found in favor of J.P. Morgan that J.P. Morgan absolutely was entitled to take the client assets. The only question was whether J.P. Morgan was an entitled person basically to take the client assets. This is an important point because it's not all secured creditors that have this power to take the client assets. It is only the very biggest banks that are entitled to take the client assets. So they don't want anyone else elbowing in there to take anything. Only they will take them. And in this judgment, the judge asked the question, is J.P. Morgan a member of the protected class? Used explicitly those words and said, quite obviously, as one of the biggest banks in the world, biggest financial institutions, J.P. Morgan is quite obviously a member of the protected class. Uh, J.P. Morgan, again, they show up all the time, clean up the assets of all the other banks and uh, pretty eye-opening stuff. Uh, and he goes on in his video talking about your bank accounts, uh, the FDIC, what's going to happen when the banks start failing. And he goes on to say that it is, it's, 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 it's a certainty that there's going to be a cascading financial crisis that would trigger this stuff at some point. Uh, and then the big institutions just take it all. Pretty, pretty outrageous stuff, uh, in my opinion. It's going all around the internet now. 
in financial circles, everybody's listening to it or reading the book that comes with it. And uh, make up your own decision on this. Uh, go to YouTube, uh, Google The Great Taking, uh, search for The Great Taking, and, uh, and watch it for yourself. Earlier in the show, I was talking about how everything is going to come out about uh, COVID, its origination, uh, 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 the vaccine, everything about it. And this week, uh, the Surgeon General of Florida came out and said the following. He said, these vaccines are not appropriate for the use in human beings. I mean, really? And he called for a complete halt of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccinations. Um, now, he issued, his, he issued this warning based on overwhelming evidence that the COVID-19 shots that Pfizer and Moderna assured us were safe are contaminated with plasmid DNA. This wasn't disclosed to the public when the COVID-19 shots rolled out. In fact, the Pfizer COVID-19 quote-unquote vaccine injected into billions of arms was not the same one used in Pfizer's clinical trials. There was a bait-and-switch. The human population received COVID-19 injections produced by Process 2, while Pfizer's initial clinical trials tested vaccines from, uh, manufactured by Process 1. The so-called vaccines rolled out to the human public, unlike the ones in clinical trials, were contaminated with excess amount of DNA plasmids. And apparently the negative implications on us are, are, are pretty astounding, at least according to him. He says, DNA integration poses a unique and elevated risk to human health and to the integrity of the human genome, including the risk that DNA integrated into sperm or egg gametes could be passed on to offspring of mRNA COVID-19 vaccine recipients. If the risk of DNA integration have not been assessed for mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, these vaccines are not appropriate for the use in human beings. And he goes on to say, he said, DNA integration could transform, transform a healthy cell into a cancerous cell. DNA integration may result in chromosomal instability. Biodistribution of DNA vaccines and such integration could affect unintended parts of the body, including blood, heart, brain, liver, kidney, bone marrow, ovaries, testes, lung, uh, lymph nodes, spleen, uh, and it goes on and on. Uh, I told you people, I, I told you so many times to make sure you understand that you're a guinea pig. And that's what we all were, or at least not, not me, but those who took the vaccine. Well, guinea pigs. And now it's coming out three years later that the one that you got wasn't even tested the same way. It wasn't manufactured the same way. I tell you, I, I agree with the person who came out. I forgot who it was. that said Pfizer's going to zero. That they're going to be they're going to be bankrupt by the time these lawsuits play themselves out. Anyway, uh, that's all I have for you today. I think that was enough. Uh, hopefully, you're uh, you're done with your six pack or your bottle of uh, gin. Uh, <laughs> it was a rough one. I know it was dark, but we all have the ability to pray. Let's pray that what I talked about on this show, none of it happens. Uh, let's pray everything is just rosy for 2024. Uh, a better year was never had, uh, and that's what we have to do. We have to we have to pray that, that that good good trumps evil, and I think it will at the end of the day. So, put a smile on your face, enjoy the day, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> uh, and uh, just keep that bottle handy. 
All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Please share this podcast with friends and family, anybody you think could benefit by the things we talked about in here, or anybody who's just too happy today. To have them listen to this show, and we'll bring it back down uh, to earth. You want to get in touch with me? Very easy. Just send me an email, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. i like to know what you think. Do you think I'm right? I'm wrong on any of these things? Uh, i like to know what our listeners are thinking. Maybe I'll share some of that uh, into next week's show. So share the podcast. Send me an email, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Anybody who wants to come in for a no-obligation financial review, uh, call my office at 732-905-8100, 732-905-8100. Have a wonderful week, and join me next week for the next edition of The Financial Physician. And don't you forget, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. <laughs>